Don't you love the Bible? I'm so glad God gave us one. I'd be in trouble without it. Amen. And uh, I'm not sharp enough to figure out how to get by without it. And I enjoyed Sunday school this morning. And the pastor was talking about teaching our children using the illustrations of the world or real things, situations to try to teach them right and wrong. And I remember Caleb is uh, getting ready to turn 16, right? And uh, when he was probably three or four years old, we were standing outside the DMV Department of Motor Vehicles, and somebody's driving around in a vehicle with this loud, hellish music just pumping out, if you call it music. And the kids were there, and so I thought, here's a teaching moment. And I said, listen to that. I said, you hear that? I said, that stuff's straight out of hell. And Caleb looked at me and said, no, it's not, Daddy. It's coming out of that car over there. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, you want to do right. You want to do right. But you got to remember, them rascals are smart, too. Amen? So, I mean, you just got to be ready. And anyway, you, you, can think, you can think you got it right and realize you're dumb as a brick. Amen? But uh, I'm thankful for the Scriptures. So many things I'd love to say. I just want to say quickly... Thank you, folks, for having us up here, and uh, thank you, preacher, for allowing us to be here in the pulpit. And I'm glad uh, that God allowed our paths to cross and allowed us to come to know one another. And uh, social media, Facebook, all that stuff drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. And most of this world drives me nuts. Amen. But I'm thankful for it because it'll, God uses it to allow us, many of us here, know each other because of that. Amen. And so anyway, we'll put up with it until we get to heaven, and then we'll just walk around, sit around, talk to each other like they used to do. Amen? That passage here that we read, I want you to take your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 10, and I'm just going to jump right into the message. Thank you, folks, for the place we have there, uh, for the nice nice things that you give, give us, and nice place to stay, and... We had a good time yesterday evening. I won't say if I'm sore or not. I don't, I never, I never confess to pain. Uh, but if you watch me real slow, you might notice, <clears throat> you might notice a little left hangover from the football and stuff. But John chapter 10, it begins. I'm just going to read the first couple verses together. If you'll read with me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber, but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. I'm glad we know who the shepherd is, don't you? Now think about that. Now, uh, he's the shepherd. He's, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Do you want him to be your shepherd? Do you want him to lead you? Or do you want to be led around by the world? You don't, you look, you watch, and we'll look at this in here just a minute. You see how the world leads people. The world doesn't lead people. The world controls people. Now, the Lord wants to lead us. He wants to be our shepherd. But do you and I, do we want him to shepherd us? Do we want him to lead us? Same thing about families. This is our, our family, a family month designated. And there's no greater thing that we can speak about than the family. But do you want to have a godly family? I mean, it's not enough for the pastor to say, boy, I'd love to have, for you to have a godly family. There has to be something down on the inside. The Bible said, I believe in Proverbs 18.1, says, Through desire. A man having separated himself seeketh an intermeddle of all wisdom. Somewhere there has to be a desire. There has to be a longing. And I want God to be my shepherd. When I was probably 16 or 17 years old, the thing I started to pray was, Lord, I want to know your will for my life. God, lead me. God, direct me. I heard preachers preach about that. And I realized that there's a God in heaven 
that wants to lead my life and wants to direct my life and wants to guide my life. The Holy Spirit of God. I grew up in a church, hardly ever heard about the Holy Spirit. And then you hear people talk about the Holy Spirit and it's all messed up, crazy teaching. But I believe the Holy Spirit is our guide. Amen. He's not my co-pilot. He's here to be my pilot. You know, you don't have to wonder what the future holds. But if you know the Lord, you know who holds the future. And all you have to do is follow. Amen. But you have to desire that. And I believe it's something every single day you wake up and say, I want to do the will of God. God, I want you to lead me. I want you to direct me. Or else you can just wing it and say, well, I know what to do. I've got it all figured out. And sometimes we look at our kids and we think that's their attitude. And it is. That's part of being a teenager. Oftentimes, unfortunately, we were all there. You were there. You know, but you have to realize, you know, I, I don't know. There's lots of things I don't know. I wish I knew everything about parenting, but I don't know. But I know one thing God knows. And God will direct me and God will help me. But do you want him to do that? So that's an important thing. And he said he entereth in by the door. And uh, verse number three says to him, the porter openeth and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. Now notice verse four. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. Boy, that's an important. I hope that by the time we're done here in a few minutes, you'll know how important that is and how precious that will be to you. Is that when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them. Uh, young people, have you ever had your mom and dad say to you, look, I've, I know what I'm talking about. I've been there before. I've done this before. I've been there before. Well, church, Jesus, is, God's been there all the way. He's already gone on before us. All we have to do is trust him and follow his directions. He goeth before us, it says. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. It's important to know his voice. Verse 5 says, And a stranger will they not follow. We teach our children about strangers. Well, we ought to be teaching ourselves that. If there's anything I've learned in the past five years as a pastor, as a preacher, we need to be teaching our people about the voice of strangers. That's why the news media is able to manipulate people and able to mess with our churches and because that's the voice of a stranger. We've got to be mindful of that. We need to be mindful of what God says, not what men say. I'll read down a couple more verses. Verse 6 says, This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the shepherd. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I love how people say you shouldn't paint with a broad brush. They didn't get that from the Bible. Jesus said, All that ever came before me were thieves and robbers. If that's not a broad brush, that's like a 12-foot roller. Amen. <laughs> That's just, everybody, hey, there is only one way to heaven, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, there's only one book that we go by, and that's this King James Bible, and whatever flew out of it, amen? Listen, that's my gospel track, and uh, this, I'll leave it up here, maybe someone will get saved when they read it. But listen, hey, there's only one way. I mean, so don't be intimidated by that broad brush stuff, and we need to paint with the broad brush. There's, there's a right way, and there's a wrong way. 
There's God's way. Amen. And I want to, I want to walk in God's steps. And I want, I want God to lead my path. And, and from an early age, man, I, I began to desire that in my life. And I want to know His voice. More than, and you say, well, how do you know his voice? By reading his word and listening to uh, his men preach the book. Amen. And you get accustomed to the voice of God and to the leadership of God. And it's not some spooky thing. It's God directing your steps. You get accustomed to that. Y'all play sports. Uh, uh, my boys, they box some and, and the coaches, they'll talk to them. And I'll tell them, I said, man, when you're in there, when you're in there training and sparring, get accustomed to hearing that voice, that voice. And so that when you're in the heat of the battle, you can hear that voice and follow that voice. Don't turn anything else out, but hear that voice. And you and I, when in the heat of the battle, whenever problems come, and I'm going to talk to you here in a little bit about when our, our little boy, our, we have 12 children. We have 11 here. We have one in heaven. And uh, when our little boy went to heaven, well, I tell you, the first voice I heard wasn't the Lord's voice. It was my reasoning and my thinking and, 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 and the voice of, uh, uh, man, the, the de- old devil instantly started putting things in my mind and whispering those things. But I had to quickly, in the heat of that moment, in the heat of the battle, I had to say, God, I want to know what you have for me to do. God, what's your word? How, how do I do this? And so you take hold of the word of God and let God guide you and direct you in those things. The Bible says here, and I want to read to verse 10, verse 7 says, Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. I love that when he says that they'll go in and out. It's easy to come to church and hear the word of God, but we don't live here. But you need to take what you hear from here and take it into the world and let God speak to you and lead you in every little detail at work and at home. And, and not, it's not just churchianity, it's Christianity. Amen. It's a life that we live and it's real and it's being able to discern the leadership of God and knowing God's will and doing the will of God. Do you want that for your life or do you just want to wing it? You got one life to live. Young people, you got one opportunity to live this life. Do you want God to direct your steps? Folks, you got one opportunity to raise your children. You can't hit reset. It'd like, we'd like, there's a lot of people in this world that would like to be able to hit reset. I've heard some of the most prominent, if I can use that word, preachers that went all over the country and preached here and there and everywhere. I've heard them say, boy, if I could do this thing over again. The reason they said that is because they had children, and I'm not saying this arrogantly, but they had children that had broken their hearts, crushed their hearts, and they lament and say, I wish I could, you can't. There is no such thing as a reset. We can't make our decisions based on our peers. We can't just do that. I'm talking about Christianity. We need to say, God, I need you to lead me. God, I need you to direct my steps. We're so accustomed, you know, you, pl- you plug in Google Maps and that little lady, whatever voice you use or whoever it is. And I hate listening to a woman. But and uh, I mean, I think that's I think that has to be some kind of a, of a thing of a practical joke from God, because we put that map on there and turn here, turn there. You know what? We don't even know how to drive anywhere anymore. I mean, nobody even knows what a map is. We used to chart our course before we left. Now they just tell us I was driving here. And I couldn't believe it. 
the, the lady said, uh, go through this light and turn left at the next light. I started to get out and see if she was on top of the van or something. I mean, I mean, they, this is like must be a hot spot, you know. I mean, uh, so I'm just telling you, God wants to lead your path. Do you want him to lead your path? Verse 11 said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is in hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth his sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. You know, he'll never leave you. There'll never be a moment as a believer where God won't lead you. There'll never be a moment. I'm thankful this morning for his leadership. The Bible said in Proverbs 16, 1, the preparation of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. You know why your pastor's here? Because God prepared his heart to be here. The reason I'm here this morning is because a long time ago I yielded myself to the Lord. I said, Lord, prepare the steps. Now, I didn't know what all that meant. But there came a time when I said, God, I trust you, not just to take me to heaven, but I trust you to direct my steps, to guide my way. You see, I didn't grow up in a church where, you know, you went to the pastor and the pastor told you what to do. I've seen, I've seen that, you know, that's, that'd be nice. It'd be nice if you could just, but that doesn't work very well. I mean, as a young person, you're gonna, you can get counsel and godly wisdom and guidance. But somewhere along the way, you've got to know the will. You've got to know the voice of God so that God can lead you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege to be here this morning. Thank you for this church and these precious people. And Lord, we don't take it lightly, dear God, to be here. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless and work in the hearts of these folks here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. There's nowhere that I'm going where Jesus hasn't already been. And I won't go there without him leading me. The song we sing says, all the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth. All things well. You remember when Jesus sent his disciples out on the sea and he said, you fellas going out. He said, I'll catch you later. You know, there was a storm came up. If you ever you read that, you think, well, didn't Jesus know that there was going to be a storm? I mean, he had omniscience. I mean, a deity within him. Didn't he know there was going to be a storm? Sure he did. But he wanted his disciples to be there to experience that storm so that they would learn to call on his name and learn to trust him. You know why God sends us into storms? There's probably little that's as detrimental to Christianity as this crazy, stupid Pentecostal uh, doctrine teaching, you know, that you'll never have problems, you'll never have difficulties. That's stupid. That's utter nonsense. I don't have enough words that I'm allowed to use in the pulpit to describe how stupid that stuff is. How do you, how do you get strong? How do you grow? I mean, you don't go into the weight room and say, man, I want to build some strength. And someone comes in and tickles you with a feather. I mean, listen, hey, that, no, no, they're going to say, here's some weight. Press it. Hey, there's a hill. Run it. You want to build up some cardio? Run that hill. You want to build some strength? Hey, here's some adversity. And God gives adversity. 
this Pentecostal nonsense. You get saved, you'll never have any problems. If, if the devil ever, if there ever was a lie out of hell, not out of that car, but a lie out of hell, that's a lie right there. I can testify to you, but you know what? I don't think of it as negatives. People will hear your story and they'll hear things and they'll say, boy, that's... And I understand that, but I tell you, I've learned this, that God, anywhere God's ever led me, He's gone before. He went along the path and He said, this will be good for Travis to go here. He may not like it at first, but it'll be good for him. Because once he goes here, then we can go there. And here and there, I want him to be my guide. The next verse of that song says, All the way my Savior leads me, cheers each winding path I tread, gives me grace for every trial, feeds me with the living bread. Though my weary steps may falter and my soul thirst may be, gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see, gushing from the rock before me, Lo, a spring of joy I see. Then the last verse of the song says this. All the way my Savior leads me. Oh, the fullness of His grace. Perfect rest to me is promised in my Father's blessed embrace. When my spirit clothed immortal wings its flight to realms of day. This my song through endless ages. Jesus led me all the way. This my song through endless ages. Jesus led me all the way. If there's one thing that I want this morning, I want Jesus to lead my path. I want Him to lead the way. There needs to be a revival among Christians of just simply saying, not my will, but thine be done. Not, Lord, I, I don't know what you have for my life, and, but God, whatever it is, I'll trust you and I'll do it. As parents, we need to be willing to say that. As young people, you need to be willing to say that. God, have your way with my life. Direct my steps. I never imagined being a preacher. I really didn't. But I never imagined not doing it. A fellow came to me one day and he said, Are you, uh, would you preach? And I said, if the Lord uh, directs me to do that, if the Lord wants me to do that, I'll do that. And, and he didn't drop a boulder out of the sky on me. It just the Lord directed my life that way and began to work that way and lead me that way. And well, here I am this morning preaching the Word of God. And I can't imagine doing anything else because I believe that this is the will of God for my life is to preach His Word and to try to help and encourage His people. God will lead you. He's not a, he's not a respecter of persons. He'll lead you if you let Him. You say, well, I'd like to try it out for a little while. Don't do that. It's a lifelong thing. Amen? It's a lifelong thing. And I believe this. I believe that if you'll determine today, if you'll determine, God, lead my life. God, direct my life. And so many people get in this thing for a little while. I don't mean they lose their salvation because you can't lose your salvation. It's not yours. Amen. You were purchased. But they say, well, I'm going to live the Christian life. And I'm going to get in. And I'm going to go to church. And I'm going to be in there, man. I'm going to make it to Sunday school. And I'm going to be to as many services as I possibly can. And I'm going to listen to the preaching. And, man, this is great. You ever notice they disappear? You think the will of God let them into church, then let them out? And oftentimes they'll disappear when adversities come. And friend, that's when God's really wanting to show you some great things in life, when adversity comes. Listen, Psalm 139, verse number 2 says, Thou knowest my downsettings and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down. Thou art acquainted with all my ways. 
For there's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Then it says, Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Our God led us here this morning. But only because he first led us, my wife and I and my children that are here, he led us to the graveside of our little boy. Now, I want to talk to you just for a minute and tell you what God did and how God led us in that area. You say, I, I've never buried. So, someone here, someone here you, may have had, uh, you may have had to come to the place where you had to bury a child. I pray you, have, I pray you never have to do that. I promise you there's nothing so difficult in this life as that. I don't have the words to explain it. But I promise you, if God ever leads you there, there's a reason for it. God's not unkind. He's not unjust. It didn't just accidentally happen. When God's guidance led my wife and I together as a couple, and we became one in marriage. Uh, God has led us in the growth of our family. We never, we never sat down and said, well, how many children shall we have? No, we just said, I love you, and... She said, I love you, and I'll let y'all figure out the rest of it. Amen? Things happen. I, I believe God knows what he's doing. Amen? And through the course of time, God gave us our family. But before my wife and I met, real quick, I'll tell you this. I was, I was in a Bible college, and the Lord's forgive me for that and helped me to get past it. And, but anyway, I, 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 met, I met a fella. Who is one of my best friends in the whole entire world? His name is Andrew Steers. Andrew is from Tasmania, Australia. And uh, some of you may have heard of Andrew before, met him. And uh, they told Andrew was born with cerebral palsy. He had one side of his body, his arm would go wide. He'd call it chucking a spazzo. Now, I'm not trying to be unkind, but I, Andrew was like my, my brother, so I can talk about him and laugh and joke about him. And, and uh, Andrew and I became close friends. But I'll tell you, that cerebral palsy deal that he had. When he was a young person, he had to have brain surgery, and it was a real struggle for him. He had a, another brother, a twin, who was born perfectly fine. But during birth, Andrew was deprived of oxygen for just a few moments, and it caused that he would be born with cerebral palsy. Today, Andrew's serving the Lord. He got saved when he was a young man. He's served the Lord now up into his 50s, and he's been a soul winner. He married a lady who, later on in life, and she's a great soul winner, and they serve the Lord together in Australia right now. And and just live for God, as far as I know, his brother, who was born perfectly healthy, is not even saved. You see, God has a plan, amen, for our lives. But Andrew had cerebral palsy, and we became close friends. And one day while Andrew and I were uh, talking, we worked together in the church ministry and stuff, and a little thought came into my mind. The Holy Spirit, I believe, made me to think about something. I thought, why, why, am I, why is this fella and I, why is Andrew such a good friend? And I thought, you know, maybe someday the Lord might, want, might ordain that when I have children, maybe someday I'll have, maybe I'll have a little boy that has some problems, what the world calls adversities. I put that away in my mind. We had seven children, and they're all needy. So, I mean, they're all got mental problems, but, uh, but our... Our eighth little child, our eighth boy, was Luke. 
And Luke was born, and I may talk about this later on, Luke was born with what the world would call a genetic defect. Whatever it was, I wish I, wish I could copy some of it. And uh, this genetic defect that Luke had, he, he never, he didn't eat until, uh, normally he didn't eat until he was almost two and a half years of age. He never, he didn't really crawl, he scooted on his rear end. And if you think that's easy, you ought to try it. I mean, he had scooted around his rear end. And, and then at four and a half years old, and I'm leaving out a lot of stuff, but at four and a half years old, he started standing up. And he was like, look at me, man, I'm really cool. He'd stand up, you know, and look at you. And then at four and a half, he started walking, only not forward, he started walking backwards. But he was really impressed by that. He'd walk like this. And he learned to use that as he got older because that's how he would escape from me. He'd walk away like, ah. He never, Luke never talked. He never used words. He, but he communicated unlike anybody I've ever met. He was a great communicator. And, uh, man, tenacity. There were things, certain things Luke liked to do, you know. He liked to throw things out windows. That was his favorite thing. I mean, if I would have let him, I mean, I have a window boarded up in my house that he literally broke the window. Uh, I don't know what he was trying to put out of it. I don't know, maybe the couch or something. He would put stuff out of it and, we were somewhere over looking at uh, uh, like one of these scenic overlooks one time, and I'm holding him, and I hear him laughing. And this laugh meant I've just done something that made me happy. Nothing made him happier than throwing anything over. And I'm looking, and he didn't have anything to throw over. And I looked down, and his pants are off. And he had, take, he had pulled his pants off and thrown them over the scenic overlook. You know what I mean? We had to go down and get them from down there and get them. And, but he had laughed like, ah, you know, let you know, hey, I got away. He escaped out of the nursery one time, and... He didn't leave. He came around to the top of the church and came through the top doors and just walked in like, oh, I'm here. I got away from him. But that was that was Luke. He he was just so different in those things. And uh, man, it was it was it was we learned really to figure that out. And, and all the family learned. I mean, Autumn called him the little weirdo, you know, because he I mean, she'd feed him yogurt every morning and he'd come in and pat her on the rear end. That's why I think that's why she called him the little weirdo, you know, and and. Uh, and she'd sit down, feed him, and he had he knew people, you know. He had different people that he'd kind of go to. Curtis is back there. He used to pinch Curtis and beat him up. And uh, the night before Luke went to heaven, Curtis got saved. I told uh, Kurt, I said, I think Luke was just giving you a hard time, letting you know that you needed to get saved. And then he went on to heaven. But uh, uh, all those things, you know, I, I mean, God led in all those things. One day we were sitting at the house, and, and uh, man, Jess, we were right there by him, and Jess uh, said, uh, something's wrong. And I turned around, and Luke was like blue, you know. And I thought he was choking on something. He, he was real careful with his food. He never choked on anything. But he was having a seizure. And uh, we took him to the hospital real quick because we'd never seen that before. And when he had the seizure, he didn't recover from it. And I thought, man, his brains, he's deprived of oxygen. You know, I thought he's brain dead. And I didn't know, you know what I mean? You think the worst things. I think I was barefooted. I went up there and barefooted, you know, and I, I, I dropped them off and went inside. And we got better and, and he come home and we started thinking, well, maybe this was just a seizure that came as a result of a, of a fever, you know, and maybe it'll go away. And then that Thursday, he started having more of these seizures. And that night I was with him in the hospital. And I wouldn't tell you something that's not true. The Holy Spirit of God, just in a still small voice, just let me know. Said, "Are you are you ready for this journey here?" And uh, 
I realized the Lord was letting me know, you know, this is not just something that's going to go away, but Luke's going to have to deal with these seizures. And it was tough, man. We, the, the medication they wanted to give us messed with him. It made him different, and that aggravated me. And I, but we, we got to the point where uh, we were able to pull a lot of that stuff back and, and get rid of a lot of that stuff. And he, he wasn't hardly taking any medicine. And he was becoming himself again, you know what I mean, that personality and all that stuff. And on our 20th anniversary, our 20th wedding anniversary, we arranged to get away for a day, you know, and uh, we had everything good. Caleb, Caleb uh, would let Luke slip. In, Caleb, in the room with Caleb because you had to have someone. I literally built boxes to keep him in, and he could climb out of anything. I mean, just, I, it was always an adventure. I mean, always trying to figure out how to contain him. I mean, how to keep him uh, in contained. And so Caleb would kind of like sleep in there. And, and uh, so that morning I got up early, and I, I thought about peeking in on him, you know, just to see how they're doing, but it was quiet. And I, so I thought, no, I'll leave him alone. And everybody was up. I went to the store, got some extra snacks and games. My mom was coming over. Another lady from the church was coming to spend the day. And we left the house, and we drove about 40 minutes. And uh, um, got a phone call. And uh, Kayla called and said, uh, Daddy, uh, Luke's not breathing. We don't know if he's alive. I'm going to tell you exactly what I did. I had a hat on. I took my hat off and I threw it in the floor and I said, God, there's no way. You've got to be kidding me. I turned the car around. There was nowhere to turn around. I was trying to talk. There's no, you can't have any communication on the phone. I turned the car around. I was going about like 100, 115 miles per hour. I already knew the outcome. We got to the house. The police were there. Fire trucks were there. The whole the fellow said, do you know what, what's going on? I said, I already know. I know. And during the night, the Lord saw fit on, our, on the morning of our 20th anniversary. He said, That's, that seems weird. Why would God do that? You know, the Bible says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, weddings and anniversary, we give gifts. I think the Lord took him home to heaven on our anniversary just to, say, just to remind me of what a wonderful gift he was. You see, because that little boy taught me, and I, I think he taught my family more than any preacher that we've ever heard. He taught us things, and, and God used his life, and, and, and I wouldn't change any of that. Because God used the, uh, the, the issue of trying to deal with that and watching him deal with things. He had open heart surgery when he was two months and two days old. He had open heart surgery, he was born with... A major defects in his heart. And we watched him come through all that stuff and overcome everything. And, man, just always have an, a positive outlook on stuff. And, man, he was just a bright light. But God took him home. And, and we stood by the graveside and laid to rest the body of that little boy. And I'd like to tell you that that's easy and it's just something that you deal with, but it's not easy. It's difficult. But I'm not here to complain about it. I'm not here to whine about it. I'm here to tell you that God led us there. You say, well, why would God lead you there? 
Because God knows what you need and God knows what we need. And God, listen, there's there is no accidents with God. Nothing happens by accident. God didn't just wake up one day and say, well, what shall I do for Brother Joe today? Or what, what will Miss Susie have to deal with? No, if you trust God and just say, God, lead my steps and guide me and whatever it is, God. You take care of it. We live in a world today where the people like to roll the dice. You know, they like to scratch off the lottery ticket. They just wonder a game of chance. People today are afraid to walk outside. We're afraid, well, I might catch the COVID, you know, and then I might die. You know what? You're not going to die until God says it's time for you to die. When God calls you home, listen, you can't live in fear of those things. You have to trust God. And oh, how we need a bunch of Christians to once again say, you know what? I believe God. I'm not talking about foolishness or recklessness or stupidity. I'm just saying, God, I trust you. I believe you. I believe you lead the way, God. I'll trust you. God has led the way. Are you willing to let God lead your way? You know, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, what was it? His only begotten son. You know, it's a funny thing. I didn't know this until I was studying. And I, when they announced, when the angel came to Mary, the mother of Jesus, it says there somewhere in that, that a dart shall pierce your own your heart also, talking to Mary. You know, Mary was standing there at the foot of the cross and watched Jesus die. The little boy that she gave birth to, she watched that as a mother. She watched that. Jesus said on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God had to turn his back and leave his son there to suffer for us. But Mary stood there and watched and hurt. Can I tell you something? God leads the way. Do you trust him to lead you? If I can stand here this morning and say to you that I believe that God led us to that graveside. And God led us to say goodbye to our son till we get to heaven. And I can say that he's a good God and he knows exactly what he's doing. And the Bible says in Romans 28, 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. To them that are called according to his purpose. Was that an accident? People wanted to come along and say, well... You know, I think uh, I think this might have been the reason for it. And I said, no, he left this world according to God's plan. And God, listen, people lose their mind trying to figure out why this happened, why that happened. Things happen in this life because God ordains things to happen. God has a reason for why things happen. Can I show you one last scripture? And we're done here in five minutes. Deuteronomy chapter number one. The whole book of Deuteronomy, most of the Old Testament is a picture of God leading his, trying to lead the nation of Israel. They were rebellious. He saved them out of Egypt. That was easy. But leading them through, leading them to Canaan land, to the land where the place where he had for them, his will for them, they fought him all the way. Every step of the way they fought him. They, they, they trusted strange gods and rebelled against him. And the Bible says here they murmured in their tents. Well, I don't think God don't. He doesn't know what he's Moses don't know what he's doing. I think there were two young boys that, whose parents weren't like that. I think their names Joshua and Caleb. I think they said, they said, you know what, Moses? Well, I tell you what, he makes some wild decisions, but I think he's doing what God wants us to do, and we're just going to trust him. 
makes a big difference. Because they sent in 12 spies and 10 came back and said, yeah, this is a lot of problems. We better not do it. Two came back and said, hey, God knows what he's doing. We'll just, if God wants us to do it, we'll do it. We'll follow him. Let's look at, I want you to see something, though. In this, in this passage in Deuteronomy chapter number two, chapter number one, it says in verse number 22, And you came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us, and they, they shall search out, us out the land, and bring us word again by what way we must go up and into what cities we shall come. And the saying pleased me well. And I took twelve men of you, one of a tribe, and they turned and went into the mountain and came into the valley of Eschol and searched it out. Now, Moses said that saying pleased me well, and that irritates me, but I want to tell you why he said that. He said, because logically it sounded good. But the Christian life is not what logically sounds good. It's not always reasonable. To Moses, it sounded like, okay, that makes sense. But they didn't need those men, those spies to go in. And you're going to see why they didn't need them. Look what the Bible says. And they turned and went up, verse 24, into the mountain and came into the valley of Eschol and searched it out. And they took of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down into us and brought us word again and said, It is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. Notwithstanding, ye would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And ye murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us. He hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites and to destroy us. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. Then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goeth before you. What? The Lord your God with what? Which goeth before you. He shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Now keep reading. And in the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bare thee as a man doth bear his son in all the way that ye went until ye came unto this place. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God. Verse 33. Who went in the way what? Before you. To search you out a place to pitch your tents in. And fire by night to show you by what way ye should go. And in a cloud day by day. And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear. Saying, and I'm going to stop reading right there because I want to close. But I want to say this. We live in the midst today of a generation of a world full of people. They're hanging their hopes and they're hanging their future on the words of propagandists, experts. I see people, you've got to trust the science. Brother, if you were to check into some of those birds, you wouldn't trust them. If they told you go to McDonald's, you'd go to Wendy's. But it's sad that people are making their whole entire life decisions and altering everything. I saw, and I don't mean this unkind, but folks came to the service this morning and met them out there and they because we didn't have the coverings on, wouldn't come in. You know why people do that? Because the world tells them that. So-called experts tell them that. If you would just do one thing, you would just decide this morning, young person, parents, 
you know what? I'm just going to do what God says. Joshua said, as for me, he said, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood or the animal. He said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what he was saying? He said, we're going to follow the Lord and we're going to trust him. Amen. Not for a few days. Not, not for a few months. But all the way to the graveside. We're going to follow him. All the way till he leads us home to heaven. We're going to follow him. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray this morning. Lord God, help us, Lord. I know that, Lord, the devil would have us to turn away and try to lead us away. God, help us this morning to covenant within our own hearts to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord, that you go before us. Lord, you'll never send us or you'll never lead us anywhere that, God, you haven't already been. Lord, just help us to trust your leadership. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.